parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello, and welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. I hope that your family has had a lovely holiday so far. And as we head into the new year, I wanted to give you an episode that would kind of allow you to take inventory of how you're feeling about your parenting and sort of set your intention for how parenting can feel in this new year. My whole goal is to help you parent in a way that feels good, that feels genuinely aligned with your values as a person and as a parent, and that feels good for your child too. And so today's episode is going to be all about why I think we should ditch the New Year's resolutions and do this one thing instead for happier, more aligned parenting. And toward that end, I wanted to remind you, I created an amazing free resource for you that is the place to start if you are wanting to start 2023 with a new outlook on parenting. And that is my free guide, six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. And you can get your copy totally free at raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. This guide is the place to start. If you want to shift your mindset to literally shift the way you see parenting, especially in the really hard moments and show up in a way that feels good. Here's the thing. We are in the middle, I believe, as a society of a bit of a paradigm shift around how we see children and how we see the parent-child relationship. We are factoring in decades of research on secure attachment relationships and looking at how do we build that in? How do we, in our daily interactions with our child, build in these steps toward a secure attachment relationship? It is so much easier to do that, to actually create that solid foundation in the parent-child relationship if you see your child through a lens that is generous, that is kind, that is filled with delight, and that sees the good kid through the challenging behaviors. So for example, if your child is pushing back on a limit that you set. Your child says, no, I don't want to do that. And you see that as bad behavior. You're going to have a really tough time showing up in a way that feels good to you. None of us feel good when we're losing it, when we're saying, because I said so, when we're getting so frustrated and feeling out of control, we don't feel good in those moments. And that's not what our child needs either. But if you see that, that pushback as healthy, normative, developmentally appropriate, and even as a sign of your child's emerging autonomy and independence, 
you are going to be so much better equipped to handle that moment in a way that feels good to you and builds that secure attachment relationship. And that is exactly what this free guide will do. It gives you these six mindset shifts that I had to make to get to a place where I feel like I've got this. Even when things get hard, even when ish hits the fan and everything is chaotic, I know that I know what to do and I don't do it perfectly and you won't either, but that's okay because part of shifting our mindset to show up in a way that feels good is knowing that we don't have to do this perfectly and that actually that's good for our kids that we mess it up sometimes. So grab your copy of this guide. That can be your start to 2023, to doing things in a way that feels good in parenting. RaiseResilient.com forward slash mindset. So as we approach the new year, so often we fill our minds with resolutions. We say, okay, this is my chance for a clean, fresh start. And I am going to do things differently. I am going to completely change how I show up. I'm not going to yell at my kids anymore. That's my resolution. No more yelling in 2023. But here's the problem. We don't necessarily put anything in place to get there. We just say, this is what we're going to do. We put a stake in the ground but we don't necessarily do anything to get to that place. And when we mess up, because we will, that's inevitable. We are not going to do this perfectly. We are so quick to say, oh my gosh, okay, forget it. Throw it all out. I'm done. I failed. And then we just let it go. And we're back to exactly where we started. Research actually shows that only 16% of people follow through on a new year's resolution. That means that most people haven't laid the groundwork for a new habit or for a sustainable change, and they hit a point where they either mess up or they go back to how things were and they give up. So resolutions set us up for failure. So for example, I remember, gosh, it was maybe five years ago, and I had a toddler and a baby, and it was the new year, and I decided I am going to try a Whole30 right? Whole 30 in January. This is a thing. So many people do this. Okay. January, I'm going to completely remake how I'm eating. I'm going to eat totally clean. I'm going to cut out all these things and feel amazing. So I said, I'm going to do this. I am going to try a whole 30. Now for some added context, I had just about a year and a half prior been diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I had been told everything I had read said, you have to do the autoimmune protocol. And a whole 30 was one step less restrictive actually than the autoimmune protocol. And I thought, okay, cool. I got this. So with a toddler and a baby and a partner who was working 30 minutes away out of the home. And while we were building a house and in a tiny apartment without half of our cooking gear and with a lot of added stress, right? When you're building a house that can be stressful, it's exciting, but also stressful. I decided This was my time for Whole30. So I cleaned out the fridge. I cleaned out the pantry. I got rid of anything that was not on plan. And I meal planned and I meal prepped. And I remember this was maybe night four. I had done okay for the first four days. And I was trying to chop cabbage to serve with chicken. So I'm holding a big knife. And my baby is on the floor, grabbing my leg, crying, begging to be picked up. And I'm trying to chop cabbage and he's crying. And I set the knife down and I pick him up and he's like burning up. He has this intense fever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? 
So I pick him up and I'm holding him and I'm trying to figure out how to chop this cabbage. I put him on my back, but he's pulling my hair because he just wants to be held. He wants to nurse. And I am like, you know what? I can't cook right now. I just, this is not possible. And with Whole30, there is no easy button. There's no order takeout. There's no, just for tonight, we do this because you're supposed to be strictly adhering to this protocol for 30 days. I called my husband. I said, pick up something on the way home. I don't care what it is. I'm done. I can't do this. And I gave up on Whole30 on day four. And I felt like a complete failure. I felt like I was the problem. When in reality, these all or nothing ways of thinking that can be created in resolutions, programs like Whole30 that require us to strictly adhere to this protocol with no missteps from it, they are the problem. I wasn't the problem. As a mom of a baby and a toddler just trying to make it work, turns out my baby had a double ear infection. He needed to sit and nurse and be with me. And when my partner brought takeout that night, it was the biggest blessing. I was so grateful. And I need a life, I realized in that moment, that allows for those sorts of situations that doesn't have to be perfect. And I needed a different definition of success. And so moving away from resolutions really does allow us to start to think in less black and white terms about what success and change can look like. Now, I just want to say, if you are part of that 16% and you are listening to this going, um, hello, no, New Year's resolutions are the best thing that ever happened to me. And I always follow through and please don't rain on my parade. Then feel free to disregard this entire message to let go of the resolutions. But if you are part of the 84% of us who set resolutions and fail at them and then feel bad about ourselves, then maybe you take a different approach this year. Because I do think that the new year brings with it this sense of new, fresh energy. And we should take advantage of that. We should let that propel us into change that feels good. But it's the type of change that really matters. A mindset shift is an amazing place to start. A way of seeing the world, if we can shift that, then everything else can shift. And actually, the things that have kept us stuck can shift so much more quickly when we change our mindset, when we see things differently. And so today's episode is going to be focused on how we as parents can use gratitude, the practice of actually consciously and purposefully tapping into gratitude as a way to shift our mindset and our energy so that we can show up to parenting the way we want to in a way that feels good for us and for our child. Now, before I jump into gratitude and how we can practice gratitude as parents and why it is so powerful, I just want to say that if you have other goals, if you want to be healthier, if you want to feel better or add more movement to your life, please don't take this as me saying you shouldn't do those things. But I think it's important to do them in a way that is not all or nothing, that takes into account the chaos inherent in life with small children, life with children in general, and says, you know what? I'm going to move my body more this year. I'd like to move my body a little bit each day. 
I'd like to eat food that makes me feel good, that balances my blood sugar. And I'm going to try to do that as often as I can. So we're not setting ourselves up for this big all or nothing situation. I'd like to yell at my kids less, right? Versus I want to never yell again. I want to stop yelling at my kids. And then the minute you do, because you're human and you're going to get it wrong sometimes, we all do, then you feel like you've failed. So if we can shift the way we're thinking about change, that is a beautiful place to start. Okay, so now let's talk about gratitude and why and how we can use this as a parenting tool. Well, I think in order to really talk about why and how gratitude can be a powerful parenting tool, we need to talk about what gratitude really is and what it's not. I touched on this in the episode I did about a month ago on gratitude and cultivating gratitude in our kids. In that episode, I talked about how Gratitude is a feeling. It is not something we can force another person or even ourselves to feel. So a lot of times we either get caught up in this idea of I should feel grateful for, right? I have it so much better than so-and-so. At least we have this. And in those moments, all we are actually doing is making ourselves feel guilty for not actually feeling grateful. And here's the thing. Raising kids is hard. Parenting is the hardest job you'll ever do. And it is so easy to get bogged down in the struggle when you're dealing with a really challenging meltdown or you're on the floor wiping up the 16th spill of the day. It can feel like gratitude is really far away in those moments, which is why mindset And how we actually see these hard moments is so important. If we see it as struggle, as chaos, as frustration, we are going to have a hard time connecting with any joy, connecting with gratitude or connecting with our kids for that matter. But if we see meltdowns as an opportunity to build connection with our kids, if we see wiping up that spill or checking on your child every five minutes at bedtime, even though you're done and you really, really, really just want to sit down and turn your brain off. If we see these moments as important work, if we can say to ourselves, this matters, this is important. This thing that feels monotonous that I really don't want to be doing right now, this is important. If we can see it that way, we are going to be so much better able to connect with gratitude and ourselves, and our kids. So our mindset can actually prime us to be able to connect with feelings of gratitude. But we cannot force ourselves to feel grateful. And gratitude is not a comparison of, well, at least I have it this way. At least I don't have to deal with that. That is not real gratitude. And we don't have to reach a certain point of success in our lives. We don't have to reach a certain point of I've got my stuff together in order to be able to feel gratitude. Gratitude is not reserved for happy people with perfect lives. Practicing gratitude is a conscious choice that anyone can make, even in the really hard moments. The idea here is pretty simple. If we can shift our perspective from what's wrong in our lives to what's right in our lives, 
will be happier, right? So simple at face value. If we can really, really focus on what's going right and connect with the feelings around that, then we'll feel better. We'll feel lighter. But here's the thing. That takes work and it's not a one-time thing and feeling grateful isn't going to happen just because you will it to happen. Well, I want to feel grateful, so I'm going to feel grateful now. It's not that simple. So to truly use gratitude to improve your life and your parenting and help you feel better requires a conscious choice and an ongoing effort. So if it takes effort, if it's not natural for us to necessarily live in this place of feeling gratitude, why should we do it? Why does it matter? I want to share with you just a little bit of the research around gratitude. Okay. So gratitude has been studied a lot, actually, and it turns out that feelings of gratitude, actual feelings of gratitude are associated with more happiness, less anxiety and depression, less illness, and actually more altruism, which I thought that one was interesting. Gratitude is also increasingly recognized as a powerful psychotherapy intervention. And this makes sense because gratitude increases hope, according to the research, and hope helps us keep going, even when moving forward feels impossible. So researchers think that the reason that gratitude and connecting with real feelings of gratitude in your body is correlated with all these positive outcomes is because gratitude actually changes our brains. Practicing gratitude, feeling gratitude can rewire neural pathways and ultimately shift the way we respond to the world. So that's pretty powerful, right? Neural pathways are kind of like paths through the woods. That's how I like to think of them. So I talk a lot about being triggered as a parent and how a lot of times that comes from what we learned about interactions and relationships as a young child. Well, learning those things, interacting with our parents and the things that we learned in those interactions, the feelings we felt in our bodies and what was safe and what wasn't safe, that created neural pathways. So imagine it as you're walking a path through the woods. So for example, maybe people pleasing, right? That could be a neural pathway that you developed as a way to keep yourself safe. If you made sure that everyone around you felt comfortable, then you increased your sense of feeling comfortable and safe, right? So that's an example of a neural pathway. The more you walk that path through the woods, the easier it becomes to go that way, right? It's always going to be easier to walk the cleared hiking path than it is to take your machete and create your own. It turns out that our brains actually have a high degree of what researchers call plasticity, meaning the ability to rewire those neural pathways to take that machete and cut a new path through the woods. But it's not the path of least resistance. It's not the easy thing to do. This is why therapy and particularly interventions that target the brain and neural pathways like brain spotting or EMDR can be really, really powerful. But if we just keep doing what we've always done, if we just lean into the path of least resistance, we're going to repeat the patterns that we've always had. This is why reflecting on your parenting is so powerful. Just reflecting on how did that go? I wonder why I reacted like that. Oh, I wonder if this has to do with how my parents reacted to me in these moments. Interesting. Or I don't like how that went. That didn't feel good for me. I wonder why I reacted in a way that didn't feel good for me. And I don't think it felt good for my child either. So reflecting on your parenting like that 
is one of the most powerful things we can do to shift how we're parenting. And the reason for that is that when we reflect, we create an awareness that then can help us make different choices and actually take that machete and cut a new path through the woods. And so that's what we're doing when we use gratitude. When we tap into actual feelings of gratitude, we can legit rewire our brain to see the world differently and to see our kids differently, to see ourselves differently, to see parenting differently. And that's powerful stuff. To be able to do something as simple, even though, as I said, it's not actually as simple as, oh, I want to be grateful, so let me be grateful. But in theory, connecting with feelings of gratitude is something we can do anywhere, something we can do in any circumstance, even the circumstances that leave us feeling hopeless. There is always something to feel grateful for. And that is powerful that we can do this from anywhere and literally lift our mood and start to rewire our brain to see the world differently. So now that we've talked about what gratitude is and isn't, and why we should care about tapping into feelings of gratitude and creating a gratitude ritual or practice for ourselves. Now let's talk about how to do that. Here are four ways that you can incorporate gratitude into your life starting today. The first one is to keep a gratitude journal. Run out to Target or wherever and grab a journal or grab an old notebook just somewhere that you can keep a running log of the things you feel grateful for. I wouldn't recommend that this be online on your phone or on your computer. It is way too easy to get distracted by social media or work or whatever else might be grabbing your attention when you're on one of your devices. So I would recommend that this be something you write down by hand. And what you're going to do is really simple. Choose a time of day that you know you can spend five minutes. And I literally mean five minutes, maybe even two minutes. And you are going to sit down and you are going to take out your gratitude journal and you're going to just be for a moment and feel into what are you legitimately grateful for in this moment. And it doesn't have to be some lofty thing. Of course, you're grateful for your child. Of course, you're grateful for your partner. Of course, you're grateful to have a roof over your head. But if you don't feel gratitude for those things in that moment, then don't write it down. Okay. If you just had a really big fight with your partner, you might not feel that gratitude in that moment. And that's okay. Maybe the thing that you actually feel gratitude for in that moment is your cozy bed. Maybe you feel gratitude for the sun shining in through the window. Maybe you feel gratitude for a warm cup of coffee. Okay, who am I kidding? You're a parent. You probably don't have a warm cup of coffee, but you get the idea. What do you actually feel grateful for in this moment? And, and this is important, this comes from the ideas in James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Don't make it a thing where you need to write down this whole list. One thing, friend, that's it. One thing, allow yourself to write one thing that you truly feel grateful for, and then you have to stop. And then once this becomes a habit, something that you do every single day without fail, which I think James Clear says is about 40 days, but it's been a minute since I read the book, so don't quote me on that. 
But once it's a habit, once it's established as part of your daily routine, then and only then can you start to add more than one thing to your gratitude journal each day. Now, you don't have to take that from me. Definitely go read Atomic Habits. It's one of the best books I've ever read. And it actually talks about how to create sustainable, lasting change in your life if that is something that you want to do. But the first idea around creating a gratitude practice in your life is to start a gratitude journal and literally write one thing in it each day. Even that can start to create new neural pathways and shift everything for you. Now, the next idea is to incorporate more mindfulness in your day. So maybe you were listening to that last tip and you're like, I don't know what I would feel grateful for. I don't notice the sun coming in from my window when I'm angry or frustrated or busy. How do I actually tap into that? So if that's a struggle for you, you're not alone. Our entire society right now and the way that we do things is geared toward keeping us in go, go, go mode. We're not noticing feelings in our bodies. We are powering through and moving forward. So this is not your fault. And this is just how you have been wired, but you can start to shift that. Mindfulness is pretty simple. It's literally just focusing on the present moment. What can you see? What can you hear? What can you smell? What can you taste? What can you feel? You can do this anywhere, okay? So you could take a moment while you're on a walk with your child and you can just look around and notice, what do I see right now? What do I hear? What do I smell? What do I feel? Or if you can catch a quiet moment by yourself, light a candle and notice how the flame dances. Notice the smells from your candle. Notice how it makes the shadows dance on the wall in front of you. You don't have to have any sort of agenda and you don't have to even be thinking about gratitude in these moments. Just can you be present? Can you just notice? That's the first step to actually connecting with feelings of gratitude. Noticing. Notice what's around you and how it makes you feel. And again, much in the same fashion as only writing down one thing you're grateful for, spend one minute doing this. Spend two minutes. Don't make it a capital T thing that you're going to put off and not do. Once you're able to tap into gratitude regularly, another powerful exercise is to make a walking gratitude list. So you can do this while you're walking from room to room, getting ready in the morning, or while you're on an actual walk outside and just list things you feel grateful for. And the cool thing about this is that the more we list, the more we tap into that feeling of gratitude, the more things will naturally come into our consciousness that we feel grateful for. And that list will grow faster than you realize. Do this only as long as it feels good. Don't force any of these things because that completely defeats the point of us trying to tap into gratitude, right? And the last idea I have around how to create a gratitude practice that will change your life and your parenting is to reframe negative thoughts that come up as moments of gratitude. This is the hardest one for most people, but it's also potentially the most powerful. Now, to be clear, I am not advising you to stop whatever you're feeling or to stuff down the hard parts of life at all. We've got to actually feel our feelings in order to shift into a place of gratitude. But once you've acknowledged your pain, can you reground yourself with some hope and some gratitude? And again, it doesn't count just to say, well, at least, or I should. 
You've got to actually shift into the feeling of gratitude. And if you can't do that, it is okay. Let it go for today and try again tomorrow. But here are a few examples. So maybe you see that your partner left dirty dishes in the sink again and you're annoyed. You acknowledge your annoyance. You feel that in your body. And then you shift your focus to how you're grateful for your partner's hugs every morning. Or your toddler is particularly challenging today and you're frustrated. And you acknowledge that frustration. Raising a toddler is hard. You feel that in your body. And then can you also connect with how grateful you feel for your child, even though today's really freaking hard? You open your electric bill. You feel anxiety about money. You acknowledge that anxiety. You feel it in your body. And then can you also notice your gratitude for the warmth or the lights in your home? You're sitting in traffic. You're feeling really down because sitting in traffic sucks. You acknowledge this feeling and then you shift your focus and notice the pretty sunset ahead. Again, we can feel more than one thing at the same time. And so acknowledging our gratitude for one thing does not negate the thing that makes us feel frustrated. But when you have these negative thoughts, if you can simultaneously hold gratitude, you will lift your mood and your sense of hope and your ability to move through that hard moment. So those are my suggestions for how to start to incorporate gratitude as a practice, not a one-time thing in your life as a parent. I hope this helps. I hope that this is something that really you are able to do for yourself because it really is life-changing. And may we all carry that energy into 2023. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.